Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, come on right there. If you believe that the Lord, your God, is wonderful, oh, why don't you give him a standing ovation? I said, if you believe that your God, your God, is, I said, your God is wonderful. See, that would be good enough if you were just clapping for me. I would accept that. But I'm talking about your God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He deserves a worthy praise than that. Oh, that's not good enough. I don't feel the building shaking. So that's not good enough of a praise. And once I start feeling the building shaking, then I know that you gave him a worthy praise. But if you don't believe that he is worthy, if you don't believe that he is worthy, then you don't have to praise him. But God has been too good to me for me not to stand here and not give him praise. So I will bless the Lord at all times praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes a boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I came to exalt him. I came to lift him up. I came to glorify him. I came to magnify him. I came to exalt him. Oh, because of who he is. I don't want the saints of God to give God praise just because he done something for you. Anybody can praise him then. But I'm talking to the saints of God that don't mind giving God praise just for who he is. Just for who he is. Just because he's God all by himself and he don't need any help. That's the saints that I want to roll with today. I was just checking to make sure that I was in the right place and I had the right folks hanging with me today that really, 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 really love the Lord and love everything about him that you don't mind giving him glory and you don't mind giving him praise that you don't mind lifting him up because of who he is. So I bless the name of the Lord thy God because he is great and greatly to be praised. And every chance I get, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to glorify him. So it's never a matter of if I'm going to praise him, if I'm going to give him glory. It's really the question, how long she's going to praise him? How long she's going to give him glory? How long she's going to honor him? he is God and he is worthy to be praised. Oh, I greet you this morning in the precious name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus, who's the Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of my life. And I'm unapologetic about my praise. I said I'm unapologetic about my praise because he's been too good and he's been so kind. If you even had any idea where he brought me and my family from. Oh, I got to praise him. I owe him a praise. I owe him a praise. I said, I owe him a praise. Hallelujah. But I bless him on this morning. And to my bishop, the one and only esteemed bishop, the Reverend Dr. Benjamin Keith Watts. Thank God for you. And thank God for the opportunity that you have allowed in me to stand before God's people. And to my first lady, who is a woman of excellence, Lady Cynthia Watts, in her absence. Oh, we give God praise for her. Until the, uh, the elders, the ministers, the deacons, the deaconess, until my children, who I love so dearly, Trefina, 
and Minister Robert Martin Jr. And to my husband, Elder Robert Martin, who is the priest of our home, who I thank God for him for loving me and covering me. It's so good that when I could cover everyone else in prayer, he covers me. So I'm so grateful and honor God for him. And to you, my Shiloh family, those are in the sanctuary, and those of you who are joining online, I bless God for you. And to our man, as well as our dear sister Gloria and the family who is being here today and still sing praises unto God, even after all she had went through this week. So we praise God for them and continue to lift them up in prayer. So I'm not gonna be before you long, but I do believe there is a word from the Lord. But before we go into the word, let me invite you to pray with me. Holy, 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 the Lord thy God almighty, the one that was, the one that is, and the one that's still yet to come. Father, we are so grateful that you have allowed us this time to gather together in person and virtually that we may hear a word from you speak unto our hearts and unto our minds holy spirit we give you the right away move by your spirit and move by your power and move by your might heal like only you can deliver like only you can save like only you can and we thank you holy ghost that you would have their own way. Satan, now you are defeated full, and the blood of Jesus is against you. We bind your hand even now. And we thank you, O oh God, that the enemy will be horrified, and you, God, will be glorified, magnified, and edified, that we give you the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name, I do pray. In the believers of God say, Amen. I want to draw your attention to a familiar passage of scripture that's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, starting at the first verse. And those of you who are physically able, can you please stand with us for the reading of God's holy word as it is our custom? And from the New Living Translation Bible, you would notice these words. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked, Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. Somebody say deeper. And let down your nets and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they begin to tear. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be the God. Before you take your seat, why don't you turn to the person next to you and look them right in the eye and repeat my sermon title divine interventions divine interventions divine interruptions divine interruptions you may be seated in the lord's house interruptions can be annoying they always seem to come at the wrong time there are all types of interruptions. You have your internal interruptions. They are often the hardest to deal with because they are not the result of anything other than what is going on in our mind. 
we can take a random thought from our mind and it will feed us and before we know it, we have deceived ourselves with negative thoughts of the enemy that is working within me. Uh, internal interruptions, if we're not careful, can betray us. Then there are external interruptions. You know, you're cuddled up on a sofa, relaxing, just chilling with your boo, and it's just you and Shaquita. You're watching a movie or your favorite sitcom, and just when the story is getting good and exciting, uh, an interruption of an advertisement comes on destroying the moment. Or better yet, the power goes out. And it doesn't cross your mind that someone may have hit the light pole or tree branches touched the power lines that caused the power to go out. No, you jump up off the sofa, look at your significant other and say, did you pay the bill? Interruptions can be very annoying. Uh, you're working in the office and trying to complete a project to meet tomorrow's deadline. And here comes your coworker, steps into your office, uninvited to tell you about her weekend as if you were interested in knowing. Or you at home and finally found some time to reply to emails that already have sat for five days. No sooner you get started, someone in the family is hungry. Can't find something. Want someone to help them or just want to talk. And there goes your good intentions. Interruptions can be a nuisance. Most of us, if not all, uh, will agree that this pandemic was the ultimate interruption that interrupt our plans. It was the worst, but some incidents I have to agree with Charles Dixon, who said it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. On the one hand, it was the best of times as we spent quality time with our families at home while in a and working. That was the best of times. And yet, it was the worst of times with people who passed away. Oh, for some of us, we lost loved ones. Uh, we learned of spiritual times that we can spend together and sit in the presence of Almighty God and just sit there and enjoy his company. I said it was the best thing that we had to know how our family was doing. Oh, it was the purpose of you knowing and not even, even considering it, the times that you spent with your children, we got to know them and what they were doing. Oh, come on, somebody. Mm. It was the best of times. Ah. So we can agree on that, right? But there is some other times where we also suffered during the pandemic. Ah, we suffered to watch our loved ones go through at the time. Everyone was concerned who was gonna get sick next, who was gonna catch COVID. Oh, we watched businesses that suffered and were left out of work although simultaneously it was the best of times and the worst of times, we learned how to be with family and had fewer interruptions. Mm. Some interruptions you have to deal with will cause you to lose your patience. You really don't see the need to be interrupted. And some of the things that people interrupt us with, you say, that could have just waited. In your opinion, it served no purpose. But most of the time, we deal with interruptions for the sake of interruptions. But when Jesus interrupts our ordinary lives, it's with his purpose. And when he dared to walk in them, even when they disrupt our norms, it changed our whole directory. 
a walk with me through the text, if you will. We enter on the scene as spectators, watching from afar. Ah, the day Jesus was preaching from the shore, he divinely interrupts Simon. Oh, I give you the condensed version, but I encourage you to read the entire chapter when you will find that there were other brothers along with Simon who later became Jesus' first disciples. The Bible tells us uh, that one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee, uh, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And while he was speaking, he noticed two empty boats <sighs> right at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and because they were washing their nets. Stepping in to one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, oh, this is Simon Peter. Oh, you do remember Peter. He was the colorful one of the disciples. Cussing Peter, hot-tempered Peter. Oh, Peter was the one that if you looked at him the wrong way, he would cut your ear right off. He told him to push the boat out into the water. So Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. This should give us the assurance that when areas of our life seem empty, when things seem bleak and all else fails, Jesus will step in and divinely change the situation. Mm. Uh, Jesus has a way of interrupting our lives with his purpose. He is known for disrupting the norms. Oh, Jesus was a master of interrupting the status quo. Oh, he challenged religious leaders, ignored cultural norms, talking to women, meeting with the hurting, healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, opened the ears of the deaf, gave a voice to the mute, and he even interrupted death. Who do he think he is? Oh, come on, somebody say Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody that really know him, say Jesus. Oh, don't call him unless you don't want him to show up. Ah, which leads me to the first thing that I gleaned from this text that I wanted you to take into consideration the next time you're planning your destiny. Expect divine intelligence. Expect divine intelligence. It's amazing to me how we understand, and in many cases, accept the natural science, but we don't accept Christian science. Lest we forget the great spiritual fact that the world was framed by the word of God. God said, let there be light, and there was light. We learned of the spiritual universe to intercept its terms uh, of spirit, not matter, and to gain a different concept of intelligence. Brain cells are not mentioned in the Bible, yet we are given a perfect example of the expression of intelligence of the life of Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, as some have mistakenly assumed. Christ comes from the Greek word Christos. Christos, meaning anointed one, chosen one. Christ is the title signifying Jesus was the sent one from God. He is the Messiah himself. And his intelligence was such that it enabled him to meet every contingency in its matter. There is no record that he used medical lore, yet he healed every kind of illness and disease. He had no material wealth, yet he never lacked for anything. He knew the Lord better than the lawyer that questioned him. He changed the water into wine, 
contrary to the belief of material law. He fed the multitude in spite of the limited beliefs held regarding demand and supply. He walked on water in defiance of what we call so-called gravity, and he annihilated space. Oh, in fact, Jesus was able through his perfect understanding of God as spirit, divine, mind, and a man at his reflection to meet every human need, to overthrow every material law, not only for himself, but for others. Did he not prove all of this? His intelligence. Oh, he was not dependent on upon confidential or conventional educational modes, but divine intelligence. Oh, come on, somebody say Jesus. And somebody say Mahila. Oh, come on, somebody say Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody else say Mahila. So when Jesus told Simon, to go out where it was deeper and let down his net, then he will catch many fish. Simon obviously believed this will be a futile ex exercise. After all, he is a professional fisherman. And you know how we do when we are asked to do something. You know what he was doing when he was by the water, don't you? Fishing. Come on, I need y'all to stay with me this morning. You know what he was doing by the water. He was fishing. But if we listen closely uh, to the text, we almost hear the irritation in his voice when he responds. He said, Master, we have worked hard all last night. You know how we are. Just making all these excuses. My sandals only had two straps holding them together and one broke. My feet hurt. My back hurt. I have blisters on my hand. Oh, because I was picking it head up and putting it down in the water. We have already washed our nets and we didn't catch a thing. When Jesus tells us to do something, we're just like Simon, so extra. Why don't we just do it? But begrudgingly, he says, but if you say so, we'll try it again. As if he was doing Jesus a favor. If you say so. We'll try it again. And this time when he let the net down into the water. And he pulled it back up. The net was so full. That he can barely lift it up without it tearing. The result was because of following Jesus' instruction to go deeper. And I want to tell somebody, today, go out deeper. You're not catching anything because you're too close to the shore. Go out deeper. Go out deeper. Stretch out on your faith. Stretch out on your faith. Venture out and let down your net. And if you believe in what Jesus called you to do, and for whatever reason, if it didn't work the first time, the second time, the third time, the fifth time, go out deeper and let down your net and try again. If you applied for a scholarship and was denied, try again. If you applied for a loan to start your own business and was denied, try again. If you applied for a job and didn't get the position, try again. 
if you applied for the promotion and you didn't get it at the time, try again. Try again. You got to try again. And a second thing to consider when planning your destiny. Embrace divine interruptions. Embrace divine interruptions. You know, we reject divine influence because we do not understand the relationship. Simon didn't understand that Jesus was divinely interrupting his life, recruiting him for a position that went beyond his occupation. Oh, Jesus saw something in him that will soon bring him into a relationship together. Oh, how often do we resist Jesus' claim? How often do we? When Jesus is calling us to do something, ah, just because it seemed crazy, we don't do it. How often do you avoid putting out into deep waters of following and bearing witness to Jesus because we are convinced that we will not see any results? Mm. Most of the time, we deal ah, with so many things at one time. But how often when God calls you to do something, you say, yes, but you move very slowly. You move very slowly. And before you're ready to speed it up, God is already here. He already moved. Already moved. So I want to say to you, even as you go through and think about embracing divine interruption, what may seem unimportant to you is very important to Jesus. What might it mean for you and I to go deep sea fishing with Jesus, to trust and follow him outside our comfort zones, to let go of our certainties, to have hmm, our lives radically reoriented. Oh, somebody say Jesus. And somebody else respond, my deliverer. Oh, in your plans, you have to expect divine intervention. There are some of you right now, you are comfortable. And where are you at? It's been three years. It's been five years. You said, Lord, I'm all right right here. And God said, no, go out deeper. But you are comfortable, but you can feel him tugging. You can feel him about to reroute the plan that you had. You can feel the uneasiness that is about to change. I, I, I know, God, this wasn't part of the plan. I, this was where we were supposed to be. And God said, ah, stretch out on your faith. I know I told you it was going to be three or four years or five years, but stretch out on your faith. I'm about to reroute you. I'm about to change up your plans. What you thought is not going to happen. This wasn't part of the plan, God. Stretch out on your faith. I know, I know it's hard to let go of your certainties, to leave your comfort zone. Like Simon, Jesus is calling you. For some of us, this may not mean leaving your current profession behind, although we cannot rule that out as a possibility. See, we are called by virtue of our baptism to participate in God's mission to the world for Jesus Christ. Oh, we are called dearly ah, to prioritize our day to align with God's prioritize, priorities for our life, to use the gifts that God has given us in service to others to share the good news of Jesus Christ in word and indeed. So when Jesus divinely interrupts our lives, it's not without intention. Oh, we think we are ready. That's when we want Jesus to interrupt our lives, when we know that we are ready. 
but that's not how it works. It's when he thinks we're ready. Oh, someone once said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. For it says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, the plans of good and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. That's why we have to let him lead because he knows the plans for our lives. Oh, we don't have to work harder and longer without no results. Oh, when Jesus directs our work, we see results. Even in the midst of our ordinary, busy, complicated lives, oh, we have to make a decision to embrace divine interruptions. Oh, lest we forget Jesus is the mastermind Oh, of staging divine interruptions. Oh, hey, oh, he does. He ordered them just to intercept the enemy's ploy. And the last thing that I want you to consider when you're planning your destiny is expect divine intervention. Expect divine intervention. Simon had already given up on the idea of catching fish. He replied, we already tried this all night. We worked hard. Mm -hmm. But he relied on his professional skills. This was not his first rodeo. He already worked hard uh, the night before and concluded that the fish was not biting. Uh, he was not expecting divine intervention. Oh, some of us can understand why Simon was a little skeptical. He worked hard, and, and no one, he had no results. He, he's saying, Jesus, don't make me waste my time anymore. Oh, somebody knows what he talked about. Don't let me go through that again. How many times have I tried and, and, and it didn't work? How many times did I got to go back to that situation? I already tried and I already gave it enough of my time and it came up with no solution. I put so much time in it already. I put so much energy in it already. Each time it was unsuccessful. See, I understand you had to deal with opposition at the opposition. But if Jesus created the opportunity, he certainly can stop the opposition. <laughs> ah, Jesus has a way of orchestrating his divine intervention. It's not based on your timing. It's not based on my timing. No matter how precise you have planned, you have dotted every I, and you know you're known for crossing every T, even when the most detailed plans of men are flawed. You're going to need God's divine intervention. So stretch out on your faith and try again. Delays and distractions will be in your pathway uh, to try to detain you, but you have to be resilient. Expect the unexpected and wait for divine opportunities, but understand that wherever there is an opportunity, opposition is never far behind. But take comfort in knowing that Jesus has a way of intercepting the natural calamities that will arise in order to fulfill the plan he has established for your life. Uh, Jesus has a way of orchestrating his divine intervention. Simon witnesses. He witnessed this at the hands of Jesus. That suddenly there was no fish. And then when Jesus told him to let down his net, all of a sudden there was more than enough fish. And Jesus took nothing and turned it into something. Oh, oh, because of Simon's obedience to Jesus' instructions to go out deeper, stretch out on his faith. I, I know how you're feeling oh, when Jesus tugs at you, when he sits, 
you in part of his divine intervention. Oh, I know how it feels when you can't see the logic in what he's calling you to do. I know how it feels because I was a beneficiary of Jesus' divine intervention. Oh, I can testify personally uh, that we, about several years ago back, we were looking at a piece of land to build a house. And we looked in this very nice development. And, uh, and I'll give you the short version. We gave the idea. You know how when you look at something, you're not considering the price, but you just want to build there. This is where we want to be. So we purchased, it didn't work out as we kept looking. That particular area was way too pricey. So we didn't build there. We didn't purchase the land. So we purchased existing house. And we were just as content as can be living there. Uh, we were no longer interested in building a house. We were just fine, me and my boo. And then a few years passed, and all of a sudden, that same development that we once had wanted to build the house, I felt the Lord tugging at my spirit, tugging me to go back there. And every time I drove by, I said, no, I'm not going there. I'm not bothering with that. We can't afford it. I'm not, I'm not putting my time and energy Wasting on that. We can't afford that. And every time I drove by, I felt the spirit of the Lord just pulling on me and tugging at my spirit. And I just couldn't let it go. I would drive by and look the other way to try not to even consider what he was calling us to do. So one day after I picked up my son, Robert, from school and at the time he was about a nine or ten years of age so we drove down the road and I turned into the development and I pulled in front of the lot right directly in front of the land and I took out a plastic bag and I gave it to my son and I said I want you to go over there scooch down and scoop me up about three handsful of the soil. Oh, you don't hear me. See, I needed something tangible for me to hold on to help strengthen my faith. I needed something tangible for me to hold on to stretch out on faith. So I took it home and I prayed over it and I kept on praying. I kept on praying. I'm on the floor, and I'm praying, and I'm interceding over this soil. And I kept crying out to the Lord, because what do you want me to do? You know those incidents in those times when you question, is it me or is it God that is causing me to do this? So I kept on praying, and I kept on interceding, and I kept on praying over the soil. And every time I looked at the soil, I picked it up, and I looked at it, and all of a sudden, I can see frames. I can see doors. I can see bathrooms. I can see uh, bedrooms. Uh, I can see uh, them excavating. Uh, I can see uh, the debris of the house uh, that they're building. Uh, and every time uh, I want to stretch out on my faith, uh, I pick up this soil and I begin to look at it because it reminds me uh, of what God had done uh, that only he can do. Uh, so I prayed over it uh, and we trusted God. Uh, oh, we trusted God. Uh, and then we get there uh, to meet with the contractor and me and my husband uh, sitting there looking like new money, looking like we have some real money. 
So while we are sitting around this table, and the contractor says, before we get started, we're going to need about 10% down. And me and my husband looking at one another because we don't have this kind of money. So we still walked out of his office and began to talk when we got home. And as we talked about it, we knew God was doing something. We knew God was doing something. And all of a sudden, he began to work behind the scenes. He began to move things over here and things over there. He began to divinely intervene on our behalf. And before we know it, we get back to the contractor. And when they started excavating and they started pulling out the dirt and the car started coming and when they started pulling it out and when they started building the frames and when they started building the walls and when they started excavating everything that they was pulling out of the ground oh God I said look at God and when we oh God and before they started pulling it out we were able to give the contractor a check in hand nothing that we had done nothing that we ever have done we just stretched out on our faith God didn't give it to us then but being that we stretched out being that we kept trusting him he gave it to us baby right when we need it oh I'm telling you whenever you're planning whenever you start planning you got to plan for divine intervention you gotta leave room for God to show up you gotta leave room for him to show out you gotta leave room for him to be able to show you the things that you cannot do that he can do all he needs you to do is go out deeper all he needs you to do is go out deeper all he needs you to do is let down your net let down your net let down your fears let down your anxieties let down your certainties let down your doubt and watch him and watch him and watch him, and watch him intervene on your behalf. Oh, come on, somebody. Give God praise. Oh, come on and give him praise if you believe in the power of divine interruption. There's nothing like trust in God when you can't see it. Sometimes all he does is tug on you. He doesn't give you nothing else. And for me, I needed something tangible. Sometimes you need something that you can feel, that you can hold on to. And I needed the soil to believe that what I felt he was calling us to do, that he was going to do. Jesus is not never a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, that settles it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. Whatever he told you to do, or whatever he given you to do, just because years passed by, don't give up on your faith. His timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. Bless the name of the Lord thy God. We serve a faithful God. Oh, we serve a faithful God. You. Oh, we serve a faith. Oh, we serve a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Stretch out on your faith. Maybe there's someone today. 
that God has interrupted you on today. And he's been tugging at you for many years. But today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Yeah, Harden not your heart. That's just the kind of savior he is. Oh, he would interrupt your life and he would step in to your situation. So if you're here in a sanctuary and you and the Lord is tugging at you and you want to give your life to Christ or if you want to be a member of this wonderful church that serves a loving God you can just slip up your hand if you want to give your life to Christ our Savior one of the ushers will be my God bless you my sister the ushers will be over to give you some information and if those of you if you're online all you got to do is send us an email or give us a call and just say, I just gave my life to Jesus. Oh, I just gave my life to Jesus. What a wonderful Savior he is. And at this time, as we go further into the worship, it's given time. This is also a part of our worship that we give unto a worthy God. God, that we give unto him. I tell you, saints, you can never beat God's giving, no matter how hard you tried. I tell you this, when we were going through that season of building, we never stopped tithing. And we never stopped sowing. because we stepped out on faith. So I want to encourage somebody today for you to step out on faith. And you sow. Yeah, you sow into the kingdom of God. By faith. By faith. When you give unto him that he gives back unto you. Let me praise him for it. So we thank you for your giving. you to meet that need. Ah, Father, we thank you for it. And we bless your name in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, come on in. Hallelujah. 
What a wonderful God that we serve. Uh, before we close out, we're going to, our bishop is going to come forth. Uh, he just want to sit in the moment right now. He want to sit in the moment. So we thank you, oh God, for this time. We want to ask you to please lift them in prayer. Continue to pray, of course, for our Bishop and Lady Watson, Sister Sheila, the Richard Thompson, and Deacon and Deaconess Miles, as well as Gloria, and entire Thompson and Watts family. Please lift up as well Deacon Chandler, his family, as well as his mother. Continue to pray for Brother Rufus and his family as well. I wanted us to remember to lift one another up in prayer. That we can pray for one another. So I'm going to ask you if you can just take a moment. Just lift up your hands in the moment of the worship. Just lift up your hands right there. Now come on, just, just, just take a moment to worship him before we leave. We worship you, oh God. We worship you for who you are. And we just thank you for this experience that we had shared together. I pray your blessings upon your people, oh God. I ask that you would bless us, Lord. Bring us to higher heights and deeper depths in your word. Let us trust you the more. And we just thank you, Father for all things and for who you are. And we just bless you, God. But even before we leave this place, uh, we want to make sure that I pray over the tithes and offerings that we have already received. Father, we just thank you for your many-fold blessings. We thank you, God, that we're able to give unto you for the appealing of your kingdom. Thank you, God, that everything that we have put out, we trust you, Father, that you will return it a hundredfold. Father, I pray for your people, O oh God, and we declare and decree a Romans 13 and 8 that we will pay all debts and owe no one nothing but to love them. We thank you for this opportunity. And we just bless you, God, even as we leave this place, but never from your sight. In Jesus' precious name, I do pray. Amen.